Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pathway Church Podcast. We are so glad you're with us. We're a Bible-based church from Ontario, Canada, and together we're on a mission to reach people far from Christ and see them become devoted followers of Him. All around the world, people of faith and people of no faith will all turn to prayer. So what is prayer, and why is it important? Is there a right way to pray? Is there a wrong way to pray? Well, in this series, we'll expand on Jesus' teaching from Luke 11 as he teaches disciples, and ultimately us, on how to pray. With that, let's turn over to Pastor Nathan with part one of his message series, Teach Us to Pray. Welcome, everybody. Uh, So great to have you here with us today. Um, Today, we're actually kicking off a three-week message series in which we're going to be talking about uh, the subject of prayer. Now, I, I don't think it needs to be said, but the subject of prayer is extremely important. Around the world, people of every faith, uh, even people of no faith, when they get in a, in a really rough situation, naturally turn to prayer. It's the language of the heart, and we're going to be focusing on it for the next three weeks. So this morning, I want to invite you to open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 11, uh, Luke chapter 11, and we're going to find uh, Luke 11 as our home base over the next three Sundays as we discuss prayer. We're going to look at the Lord's Prayer. We're going to talk about different kinds of prayer. Here's what it says in Luke uh, chapter 11, verse 1. It says, now Jesus was praying. And we could stop right there and think about the significance of that statement. Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus has had a perfect relationship with God the Father from eternity past. And yet Jesus, while he was on the earth, made time to pray. How much more? Do you and I need uh, to ensure that we have times of prayer in our life? It says, now Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. He asked Jesus, teach us how to pray. Now, I've remarked in the past that this statement has always sort of caught me off guard because the disciples could have asked Jesus to teach them a lot of things. They could have said, hey, Jesus, teach us how to heal the sick. That would be handy. Hey, Jesus, teach us how to turn water into wine. That would be very lucrative, right? Jesus, teach us how to preach a great sermon, you know, that will shake the souls and the ears of the hearers. But they don't ask for those things. They ask Jesus, would you teach us how to pray? Now, I believe the reason why the disciples asked Jesus to teach them to pray is because they understood and knew from watching Jesus's life that prayer was the cornerstone of his relationship with God. It was the cornerstone of his love, his generosity, his ministry, and his sacrifice. That prayer, time alone with his father, was essential to everything that he would do. And they understood that if they were going to carry his mission forward, they would need to have this same type of dynamic and powerful and life-giving prayer. So they said, teach us to pray. In Mark chapter 1, we have another similar situation. I'll just tell you about it. In Mark chapter 1, Jesus preaches at a synagogue. He's been teaching. And then he goes to Peter's family home. And while he's there, he heals Peter's mother-in-law. And then the crowds start gathering. And for the rest of the day, so he's preached, he's healed somebody, and now he's ministering to all the needs in the community. And this happens long and long into the day. So from morning till night, he's caring for people. He's praying for people. He's ministering to people. Jesus is doing all of this. He must have been absolutely exhausted. Now, I don't know about you, but when I'm exhausted, sometimes what I like to do is have a nap. Or when I'm exhausted, what I like to do is get my favorite food and watch a movie just to kind of tune everything out and relax and kind of re-energize my body and soul. It doesn't usually work, but that's what I try to do. And so what's interesting about this is that Jesus in this moment, he's, he's been 
giving out, giving out, giving out, caring for people. And here's what it says in Mark 1, verse 35. It says, and rising early in the morning while it was still dark. So he has not slept much. He departed and went out to a desolate place. He went and found a place to be alone with God. And there he prayed. The next morning, the disciples wake up. They're looking for Jesus. Where is he? There's people coming. There's people need stuff. Where's Jesus? They go out searching for him and they find him alone in prayer. And they say, Jesus, the people need you. The people, the crowds are here. And Jesus says, it's time for us to move on. See, Jesus got his strength through his times of prayer. Jesus got direction what he was to do next through his times of prayer. And, and when I read verses like this, it reminds me of the significance and the importance of prayer in my life and how so often instead of turning to God, I turn to other things when I'm tired and when I'm exhausted. And Jesus turned to prayer, which is so cool. And I, and I think most of us, if, we, if I was to ask everyone today, like, hey, um, do you pray enough? Almost every person would say no. Now, let me share a few uh, prayer statistics with you. Um, these are our prayer statistics, a bunch of surveys were done, uh, in the United States and they were asking, uh, whether people pray daily and gathering statistics about it. And this was interesting to me, um, actually didn't come as a surprise to me personally, but, uh, they were saying statistically women pray more than men, about 60% to 40%. So that's interesting. Secondly, we discover when you think about the age demographics, you know, kids, teenagers, young adults, sort of middle-aged adults, older adults, seniors in that wide range of ages, my first thought before seeing the data would have been to assume that the older generation, you know, the boomers, and and those uh, that have uh, lived and who grew up with prayer in the schools and kind of were taught this thing of prayer, that those would be the people who pray the most daily. And I was surprised to find out that it was actually individuals between the age of 30 and 49, right in the middle. And I thought, well, that's odd. Why would that be? And then it dawned on me. Toddlers and teenagers, and nothing, nothing like those two groups that drive you to your knees in prayer. But then I uh, was looking at some statistics about income and education, and people who have you know, postgraduate degrees and have high incomes tend to pray less, which kind of makes sense, I guess. If you have your needs met, you may be less likely to depend on, on God. Uh, but then if that were the case, you would think, well, the poorest people, the people who are struggling financially, would pray the most. But that also wasn't the case. And so regardless of where you find yourself in age, gender, financial, none of that stuff matters. Um, you can have a relationship with God that's rooted in prayer. And that's what we want to talk about over the next three weeks. We want to break those statistics. We want to become people of prayer. We want to become a church uh, that prays. You know, uh, people pray for different reasons. Um, as I said earlier, even the most ardent atheist who doesn't even believe in God, when they get a cancer diagnosis or their kids in the hospital fighting for their life, all of a sudden they start praying. And, and on the other side, people who believe in God when things are good often forget and neglect to pray. And we don't want to do either of those things. I guess as we begin to talk about prayer, I want to kind of back up to the basic essence of it. And I think that prayer really won't happen in our lives, at least not in an authentic way until we realize that God wants to have a relationship with us. God wants to have a relationship with you. If you believe that God is distant, that he's hiding somewhere, that he's like sitting on a throne, distant, and making you come to him and, and do all these things to get to him, if you believe that, then chances are it's just going to be too much work, or you say, well, I don't deserve to be heard by God, and so you just won't pray, okay? And uh, what we need to realize is that the scriptures actually teach us that God loves us and cares, and he came to us, 
And if that's true, and if you and I actually believe that God cares for us individually and that he loves us, then it would be quite natural then to turn towards him in prayer. God actually wants to have a relationship with you and with me. But relationships require communication, right? We know what communication is. Communication is when I say something to you, you say something to me, there's a give, there's a take, there's a send, there's a receive. And through that communication, our relationship grows and we get to know each other, not just about each other, but we get to know each other. And that's exactly what's required in every single relationship, including with God. I could tell you today that I have a relationship with Elon Musk. And you'd be like, wow, who's that? Well, Elon Musk is a famous entrepreneur, billionaire, started lots of companies. And I could tell you all about his companies. I could tell you about some of the different innovations that he's done. I could tell you about how much money he has. I could tell you all this stuff about Elon Musk. And then you might say to me, well, hey, Nathan, um, why don't you ask him what he's doing this weekend? And I would say, well, I don't know, because I know a bunch of stuff about him, but I don't actually know him. I don't have a relationship I don't have his phone number. He doesn't know who I am. So it's not a relationship. It's just me knowing a bunch of stuff about him. And unfortunately, uh, for many people, that's what their relationship with God looks like. They, They have Bible verses. They've heard Bible stories. They know stuff about him. Maybe they sat in church and heard sermons about God, but there's no relationship. They're not talking to God and they don't hear God talking to them. There's no in depth relationship. And here's what I'm trying to tell you. God wants to have a relationship with you. And prayer is one of the essential ways that we can do that. Did you know that when Paul prayed, we have in his letters a number of his prayers. And when, when Paul prayed, he, he didn't pray that God would change everyone's circumstances. He didn't say, fix the economy. He didn't say, hey, fix, heal their bodies, give them money, make their situation better. He actually prayed that they would know Jesus. They prayed that they would increase in the knowledge of God. Why? Because he wanted them to grow in their relationship with their heavenly father. I love what Tim Keller um, says. He says, the goal of prayer is not the sharing of ideas, but it's the sharing of ourselves. It's about us having time with God to know him and to be known by God. See, we can have facts about God, but something incredible happens when we begin to go to him in prayer and establish a two-way relationship with him. Now, you may be wondering, Uh, How do you have a relationship with a God that you cannot see with your physical eyes and you cannot hear with your physical ears? That's a great question. How can we, how can we know God? How can we have a relationship with him? And I'll give you three different ways uh, really briefly. Uh, The first is through the scriptures, through the word of God. Uh, John in John's gospel says, in the beginning was the word, that that Jesus himself is the word, that the things that God has said, the examples we have in scripture and the words of Jesus, this is, this is God's word to us. And he and his word are one. And when we have his word, we have him. And so this is super important because we need to be reading the Bible. We need to be reading the scripture so that we know what God is like, so that we know the things he has said, the things he has commanded us. All of these things help us to understand who he is and what is required of us as we pursue a relationship with him. You may say, well, how am I going to, how am I going to hear the voice of God? Well, uh, often we will not hear a voice out here with our ears, but we'll hear him in our heart, in our spirit, a voice on the inside. And sometimes it'll come in the form of a thought 
or it'll come in the form of an emotion or an unction, a, a desire to do something. It's like, I think that, I think that might be from God. And, and how do we know if it's from God? Well, we look at what he said, because he's not going to say something that contradicts what he's already said. For example, um, I've been married uh, to my wife for 24 years. And, you know, people often joke about when two people start finishing each other's sentences, they're, they're like an old married couple, right? And, and the reason why they say that is because when you've been with somebody long enough, eventually you start to know what they're going to say. You start to know how, oh, oh, when something happens, you're like, oh, that's not going to go well for my, my, my wife or my husband. We know because we know them, right? And if somebody came up to me and said, oh, hey, uh, Jessica just uh, sent me over here to tell you that she wants you to spend $1,000 on a bunch of sports equipment or something, I, I would be like, uh, no. I don't think she said that, right? Why? Because cause I know her and I, we have a track record of how we do things and how we communicate and, and that would be out of character. And so this is really important because many people in an attempt to follow God are sometimes moved by emotions. Oh, I feel like I should do that. But sometimes the thing they feel like doing actually contradicts what God has said. And if you know that, then, then you know it's probably not him. And so knowing his word will actually help us to know whether what we're feeling and hearing is actually God's voice or if it's our grandmother's voice, you know, from our past or whether it's culture or whether it's bad pizza from the night before, right? So we have to know God's word if we're going to know um, God's voice. Secondly, we need fellowship. And that's kind of a Christian word which talks about the relationship that we have with brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, There's this ancient myth that really emerged hundreds of years ago, that the idea is that as Christians, um, we have a personal relationship with God, which we do, but I have a personal relationship with God and it's exclusive and it doesn't include other people. And that's just wrong. Because when Paul talks about the church and he talks about you and me and God and faith, he actually talks about like a body. And he talks about how I've got a body here and, and I have a hand, okay? So this hand is connected to this arm and elbow and shoulder all the way back. And what Paul says, he says, the church is like a body, a whole bunch of parts interconnected, and Christ is the head. So my head sends an instruction to my hand to move. And my hand could say, well, I have a relationship with the head, and the head's telling me to move, so I'm moving. But in reality, the message is actually coming through a bunch of other body parts. And in the same way, in the same way, as we live out our faith, and as we enter into a relationship with God, often God will speak to us, he'll give us wisdom, he'll supply our needs through the body through other people. Sometimes we're like the, the man who was stranded on an island and every morning he woke up and he prayed to God on his knees and he said, God, save me from this island. And one day a boat shows up and they say, hey, we're here to rescue you. Get on the boat. It's like, nope, I'm waiting for God to save me. And honestly, sometimes we do this. We fail to realize that the answer that God is sending is going to be through the people around us. The wisdom we need and we've been asking him for, it might come from our kids. It might come from a, a coworker who doesn't even have faith. And it takes humility to understand that God is using other people, specifically the body, the church. And so this is also why if you're watching online, and we love that you're tracking with us and watching online, and we hope the messages and worship are helpful to you, but you need to have community. You need to have fellowship. You need to be connected to other people because if not, you're cutting yourself off. You're cutting yourself off from one of the primary ways that God will speak to you. So I just want to encourage you, even if you can't get to church on Sunday, to find faith community and make sure that you're doing life with others um, who are following Jesus. Third and final. So we've got the Word, Scripture, we've got fellowship, and lastly, we have prayer. And prayer is the one that is, 
is, is mostly personal. Of course, we can pray with our church family. We do that. We can pray with our spouse. If you have one, you can do that. You can pray with your family. You can play, pray in your small group. All of that we encourage. It's very good. But your prayer life ought to begin with personal prayer and time with God. Uh, Jesus did pray with his disciples, but much of his prayer was done privately. He worked things out with his father and, uh, and established his relationship with his father in prayer. And by the way, prayer is not a position. It's not, it's not the prayer pose, okay? Uh, prayer is not necessarily getting down on your knees or closing your eyes and bowing your heads. Those are all things we do, but prayer is actually a disposition of the heart. It's turning ourselves towards God to receive and to know him and to be known by him. So, are we praying? This is the question. As you think about your own life, um, is prayer a regular part of your life? Is it something that you're doing on a regular basis? Uh, is it something that is life-giving for you? Or is it a real challenge? You know, uh, some people would say, I don't pray because I don't know how to pray. We'll talk about that in just a moment. Others might say, I do, I pray, but it's very formulaic. And it's just, I do it because I'm supposed to, and I, and I check the box. And again, all of that's fine. But I think that if we want to have prayer lives that are, that are energized and life-giving, I think that prayer uh, must actually come out of a, a, a source of delight. So I believe that delight is greater than duty. Delight is greater than duty. Now, it's not that duty is bad. We all have duties, duties to our country, duties to our family. We all have to pay taxes. That's, that's actually called a duty, right? So we have jury duty. Duties aren't, aren't things that we want to do, but they're important things that we have to do. And, and it's not that duties are bad, but delight is way better. For example, as I said, I've been married for a long time. And if I come home with a, a bouquet of flowers and I give them to my wife and she says, oh, what's this for? And I say, uh, I was thinking of you and I just really care about you. And I saw these and I thought of you and I wanted to give these to you. Like that's, I'm delighting in her and she'd probably appreciate that a lot. Uh, now, if I gave her flowers, she said, oh, what's this for? And I said, uh, as your husband, it's my duty to give you flowers twice a year. <laughs> she would probably stuff those down my shirt and be like, I don't want them anymore. And likewise, if I went to my kid's tournament and drove out of town to see them play and they said, thanks dad for being here. We so appreciate it. And I said, well, there's a bunch of other stuff I really wanted to get done, but it's my duty to be here as your dad. Uh, they probably wouldn't want me there next time. See, the truth of the matter is when it comes to relationship, we don't want to be in relationship with people who have to be in relationship with us. We want to be in a relationship with people who delight in us and desire to be with us and to be friends with us. And this is significant because God is no different. He wants to have a relationship with you and with me. And he doesn't want to have a relationship where we're like, saying a prayer every morning and checking a box because we have to, because that's what Christians do. He wants us to actually want to talk to him and want to be with him because that's what relationship is all about. So delight is greater, it's greater than duty, okay? That's just something that we need to know. But here's the thing, okay? Even though duty is something that is often uh, viewed negatively, I think that when we choose to take on a duty, we could use a different word. In fact, we could use the, the word investment because even though I love my wife, even though I love my kids, even though I love God, that doesn't mean that every day I'm delighting in praying or delighting in spending time with my wife or kids. There will be moments where I have to choose. But the difference between duty and investment is when you're investing in something, it's costing you something, but it's, 
it's, it's because you're investing it because you delight in something, right? Like if I, if I go on a date night, if I invest time in my kids, even if I don't feel like it, I'm doing it because I love my kids. Do you understand? Not because I have to, because my job as husband or father or pastor requires it of me. And investment is something incredible because I believe every relationship requires investment. And sometimes our relationships, our friendships, our family relationships, our marriages, they, they start to deteriorate because we stop investing in them. And what's incredible about this is that even though a delight is better than duty, I would say that duty, when done out of love, can actually lead us back to delight. Um, I, I used to work uh, many years ago in a factory, and I worked one-on-one uh, with a man who became a friend. His name was Thiru Nabu Karasu Srini Skandamurthy. took me a little while to learn that. Uh, and, and I remember one day we were talking. I was preparing to get married. And he was talking to me about his experience. And he, he came from Sri Lanka and uh, his marriage was arranged. And so he married a woman he did not know. And he talked to me about how difficult it was in the early years, but how each him and his wife invested in the relationship, partly out of duty, but partly out of desire and delight to make it work. And as they did that over the years, they grew to love each other so deeply. So duty can actually lead us to delight. Uh, when I first started pastoring, I didn't drink coffee. Uh, and so I would often meet people, you know, they'd say, Hey pastor, can we meet? I'd say, yep, let's meet at Tim Hortons for a chocolate milk. Just didn't feel right. Didn't sound right. So I started forcing myself to drink coffee. I hated it. I had to drink triple, triple just, just to get it down. And uh, of course, as many of you might, uh, might imagine after a number of years of doing this, Coffee went from a, a duty, something I forced myself to do, to becoming one of life's delights. Now I get up in the morning, say, don't talk to me. I haven't had my, my coffee. It's something that I, I desire. And I actually believe that it's possible for you and I to get to the place where we get up in the morning and we're like, hey, nothing else happens until I have time to talk to God, until I have time uh, to, to have a moment with him. Because we, we just desired. It becomes such so much a, a key part of our life, much like it did for Jesus. So I want to get practical for a few moments as we begin to wrap things up. And I want to talk to you here about how to pray. And certainly in the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about the different types of prayer. Uh, we're going to dive in, in depth into the Lord's Prayer and kind of break it out as a model. So we're going to do all of that. Uh, but today I just wanted to just wanted to get started with a few uh, thoughts. And the first thing is this, is how do I start praying? And I would just say, um, just get started. Just get started. Uh, If you wanted to play basketball, you say, I don't know how to play basketball. I wouldn't tell you to spend months practicing layups, three-point shots, dribbling, crossovers, like all of these moves so that you could step on the court and be great at basketball. I would say, go out and bounce the ball and play with your friends. Just start doing it because it's in doing it that we grow to love things. And I would just say, hey, get started. And sometimes people say to me, well, Nathan, if I do pray, I just don't know what to say. And I would say, just get started. When I was in grade eight, there was this girl, I had a, I had a crush on her. Her name was Michelle. And, uh, and I remember I just had this crush on her and she was pretty and, and, and she was in my class, and, but we never talked. And I remember just thinking, if I could just talk to her, then you know maybe maybe um, this could be a good thing. And so I remember just being so nervous, like, what should I say? And then when I finally started talking to her and she was sweet and she responded and we started a conversation and then bleh, I just said way too much. <laughs> 
And, um, and honestly, I just think sometimes we just need to get over the awkwardness and just start talking to God. And you can do this. It's easier on your own, of course. But when you get on your own um, and you shut the door behind you and you just start to talk to God and, and, and tell him how you're feeling and talk to him about what's going on in your life, you may be surprised how much you have to say. And, and unlike Michelle, um, he, won't, uh, he won't be offended by you saying too much. He'll listen. He's faithful. So just get started. Just begin the process. Secondly, I would say this. Um, pray honestly. Uh, so many times we come to God trying to hide our insecurities, our fears, our sins, and put on a good show. It's like, God, I'm here. I'm faithful. Like, and here's the thing. God knows what you're thinking. He knows what you're doing. He knows what you're hiding. The best thing you and I can do is to be completely honest, to be open, and to speak uh, from our heart. Um, we see this in the Psalms. David uh, often cries out, where are you, God? I thought you were with me. What's going on? How could you let this happen? He's questioning and he's bringing his thoughts and his concerns to God in an honest way. I believe this is a key to prayer, is faith like a child, right? Little kids, you know, they learn the language, they learn English uh, by just using their words. And they often use the wrong words and the wrong syntax and the wrong verbs. They just, they talk and they learn by doing. And I believe that prayer is, is, is exactly the same thing, that we come with the faith of the child and we just do it. We talk to God and we learn and get better at it over time. So just get started. Pray honestly. The, the third thing I would say is this. Um, pray boldly. Pray boldly. I want to read from, from Luke 11. Um, it says that Jesus prayed and they said, teach us how to pray. And, and Jesus responds by saying this. He, he says, okay, um, let me give you a prayer. And he's going to give them the Lord's Prayer, which we will, we will look at in more depth um, maybe next week. Uh, really, the Lord's Prayer is a little poem. It rhymed, and it was something that was easy for them to remember, and it gives us a model for prayer. Here's, here's what he says, and it starts with this word, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation. Super simple, but the prayer begins with one word, Father. And in the Aramaic language, the word is Abba or Daddy. And of course, in those days, in the first century, Jews came to worship God and they came to this big temple, right? And God's presence was inside and only the priests could go there and there were sacrifices that had to be made. And so if you wanted to, to bring something to God or to speak to God, you had to go through a priest and you stood at a distance. And Jesus came to like flip all that upside down and to give us complete access to our Father in heaven. And he says, when you pray, pray like this, Daddy, Father. And you can imagine how radical that this alone was for those listening. And the disciples are listening to this and going, what are we talking about here? So we have this radical access to our God. This is amazing when we understand that God is not far, but he's close and near and ready to listen and hear our prayers. You know, when I'm at church, I'm a pastor, and sometimes kids will walk up to me and they're, they're nervous. They're standing behind their parents and their parents will say, hey, you know, my, my little child wanted to say something to you. And they'll be like, uh, hello, Pastor Nathan, can I ask you a question? You know, my kids... They just walk up and bump into me, give me a hug, just say, hey, I need a ride after church. Like they just come boldly and that's because they know they have access because I'm their father. And Jesus wants you and me to know that we have bold access to the God of heaven. The one who created us, who loves us. We can come with our troubles. We can come with our fears. We can come with our sin and we can bring it to him humbly and boldly, which is absolutely 
incredible. The last thing I would say, uh, and these are, this is prayer 101, okay? The last thing I would say is we need to listen. Sometimes we think of prayer as talking to God. We often think of prayer as just asking for the things we need, which is one type of many prayers. But we need to also listen. St. Teresa of Avila said this, prayer is a matter of coming into living contact with Jesus. It's more than just asking for things. It is not just recitation and repetition. So she says, prayer is not just about saying stuff to God or asking God for things, but it's actually about coming into living contact, its relationship. So this week, I want to give you a simple challenge and we'll pick up next week as we continue our series in prayer. And the simple challenge is this. I want you to get started praying this week. And here's what you can do. I um, said this in Luke 11, verse one, now Jesus was praying in a certain place. And I want to encourage you to find a certain place for this week. Maybe it's at the foot of your bed. Maybe it's while you're walking your dog each morning or evening. Maybe it's while you're washing the dishes after supper and you're on your own. Maybe it's sitting in the hot tub, like whatever it is, I want you to find a place. And each day I want you to take just a few minutes and I want you to talk to your heavenly father. And I know that sounds simple and you're like, well, shouldn't it be 10 minutes or 20 minutes? And that's great. You can talk to God for hours, but I want to encourage you to at least pray for a few minutes each day. And I want you to pray to him boldly and humbly. And if something incredible happens when we just get into the rhythm of doing that and we discover the life-giving presence of God through, through prayer. So I want to encourage you this week, find a time and a place. And even if you only pray for a couple of minutes, and honestly, it doesn't have to be some crazy theological prayer. It can be something like, hey, good morning, Lord. I'm about to start my day, and I just wanted to, I just wanted to remember that you're with me today. And this is what's stressing me out at work, and this is what's going on with the kids, and I'm just trusting that you've got this. You're in control. And Lord, as I go through this day, would you lead and guide me? Would you show me? Would you give me the wisdom I need and guide me, and I'll check in at lunch? Like It can be something so, so simple. But it's something incredible happens when we just bring God into our day, when we bring him into those moments, because that's what relationship is all about. And that's where I wanted to start. So let's pray today and we'll pick this up again uh, next Sunday as we continue our series, Lord, Teach Us to Pray. Father, thank you for every person listening to the sound of my voice through our online service. God, I pray that you would speak to each and every person. I pray that as we take steps in your direction to know you, to listen to you, and to share our hearts with you. God, I pray that through prayer, we would experience that life-giving relationship with you that Jesus had, that your word promises. I thank you, God, that as we open up your word, as we connect with other believers, and as we pray with you, God, that we would know your voice, that we would hear you leading us, and that we would follow where you lead. Thank you that you're a God who hears and answers prayer. And God, this week, as we set aside time, would you meet us there in Jesus' name? Amen. Hey, that's it from us. Thank you so much for joining. Please stay connected with us. Be sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. That's Pathway Church PTBO. Hey, God is at work in this world, and we feel so blessed that we get to be a part of what he is doing. Have a great day wherever you're at, and we hope to see you soon.